Hey lady, do you sometimes feel like you've lost yourself? Are you internalizing your feelings and walking around on eggshells either at home or at work? Maybe there is something missing in your life, but you just can't quite figure out what it is. Or even worse, you know what it is, but you feel stuck and you can't move forward. Well, I have been there more often than I care to admit. I spent more than 20 years climbing the corporate ladder only for it to come to an abrupt end during a 10 minute meeting. (laughs) I was so busy climbing that ladder to satisfy one aspect of myself that I neglected to take the time I needed to really focus on how to achieve true balance in every aspect of my life. Hi, I'm Anya Day, and welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, where I give women practical tips on how to find their voice through changing their mindset, identifying their passion, and owning their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, go grab your favorite glass of wine or cup of tea if you're driving, relax, And let's peel away the layers of our complex onion to unleash our authentic voice that the world deserves to hear. Hello, hi Malaysia. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Anya Day. How are you? Good. So welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. To my owner tribe out there, I want to introduce your introduce you to a very special friend of mine. Her name is Malaysia Harrell. Say hello, Malaysia. <laughs> hello, everyone. And thank you so much um, for allowing me the opportunity to be in your space, to be in your community. I'm just so honored to be here. Well, thank you. So I'm excited. So Malaysia is my first official guest for the podcast. So thank you for agreeing to come. And I have just been, well, one, we have become very close friends over the last year and a half or so. Um, But I'm also just so in awe of your story. And I felt like your story could help my tribe. And you have, I want you to kind of give your own background, but Malaysia has been through some things and she has an incredible healing journey. Journey. She's actually a licensed psychotherapist. Is that the right title? Psychotherapist. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. She's a licensed psychotherapist. And I'm sure she won't have a problem telling you that psychotherapists have issues too, that they need to work through. Mm-hmm. And I think there are just so many things that I felt like she could touch on from just a healing journey perspective, from a being the importance of self-care and just focusing on yourself and mental health <laughs> in general. So I thought that she would be an excellent guest for our podcast. So welcome, Malaysia. So let's start off with... Um, so first of all, um, why don't you give us a kind of brief introduction of who you are? Okay. Um, again, just thank you for the opportunity. Um, just so blessed to be here. And as you know, I'm very passionate about wellness, especially focused on uh, mental wellness. Um, um, as you said, I am a like licensed psychotherapist. Um, I've been 
practicing for probably over 23 years or so. Um, And, (laughs) and um, a veteran as well, United States veteran. Um, So very excited about that. I have a heart of service. Um, And more recently, um, in the past couple of years, I founded um, Blissful um, Life Consulting, and then also um, Blissful Home Candy. And then um, shortly, you'll be seeing um, um, Blissful Visionary Publishing as well. So um, I'm a published author, very excited about that as well. And I really just want to use my platform to help others, you know. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without the help of others, including yourself, as you said, you know, we've become very close and, um, especially for women who are professionals, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're expected to be on the go and kind of do what we do and we do, we make it happen. We do, what we do, but, you know, sometimes we can lose ourselves, um, in that process. So. Thank you for just the opportunity to be here. Um, My social media platform is um, at Blissful um, Home Candy um, and at Malaysia underscore H underscore Harrell on Instagram. So thank you. (laughs) And I will be sure. So we're also going to make sure that your contact information is included in our show notes so that our listeners can access it and make sure that they go find you. So one of the things that I that I should have mentioned in the beginning. And I said, I told y'all, this is the first (laughs) interview I've done. So um, Malaysia and I met through our mutual um, desire to be entrepreneurs. And it was probably about a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. at an event through one of our uh, mentors, Tressa Azarel. And we were both on the path to writing a book. And it's so funny, you start off on a certain path and then <laughs> things end up changing. <laughs> Malaysia's going to talk about how her path changed and um, you all will learn more and more about how my path changed. But I, as of today, my book isn't out there yet, but there are so many other things that I have been working on and I believe in trusting the process and there's a reason for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Malaysia and I, we just like instantly connected the first day that we met. Um, and another friend of ours, Arnita, we're like, we call ourselves the dream catchers. So <laughs> as we believe in catching our dreams and going after them, and we really encourage and empower each other. So I'm very appreciative of her. Um, but I think that because of the fact that like myself, you've had to make adjustments with your journey. I mm-hmm. think that to me is just, it is so important that people don't allow their circumstances to get them down or to Uh prevent them for who they are destined to become. And my goal with this podcast is to get women to realize that whoever they are, whatever, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that they really own themselves and they own Uh that journey. They own who they Uh are. And Uh so before we get into sort of some of the your journey piece, I do want to ask you this really random question, but okay. think back to like, I'm not going to say how many years ago, think back to when you were younger and, mm-hmm. you know, we all have dreams about kind of what we want to do when we grow up. What did you want to do when you grew up? What did you want to um, be when you were a kid? <laughs> that's actually funny because um, 
you know, there were a couple of things that I, I was kind of in the realm of doing that I thought I'd be doing, but one of them is actually being a model. I wanted to be a model. Um, I got a lot of praise for my looks, you know, as a child. Um, and, you know, as we talk about my journey, you'll see why it was so significant for me to get some sort of praise. Um, and so I did. I, um, I studied with John Casablancas. Um, I got a scholarship to go to their school. So I did modeling um, at a very young age. And I used to do a lot of community events, hair shows. I was always modeling. I loved it so much. And then I learned um, at, a, at a very young age, probably um, middle school, right before junior high, that I was a gifted writer. I could write a lot of great fantasy and I got sent to, you know, a writing camp at a college at a very yeah. young age. It was like a summer program um, because that was an outlet for me. That was a way to express myself. So I think between writing and modeling, I thought those would be, you know, what I, I would be doing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. So tell us a little bit. So we, you know, I know that you have a story related to trauma and some things that you experienced as a child. So let's yeah. sort of transition to that. And can you tell us a little bit about sort of some of those experiences and how they basically shaped who you are? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I grew up, um, my mom was a single parent of three girls and I was the oldest of three girls. And um, my mom was just, you know, such a blessing in my life that I'm learning now. It took me years to really be able to say that. But um, being a single parent, um, you know, with not a lot of means, not a lot of resources, raising girls, like that must have been so challenging for her. Um, and, you know, she had, she struggled with some depression and mental illness. Um, and then also, you know, um, used um, alcohol as a means of coping or just trying to, you know, kind of get out of that, um, space in her head, um, and also prescription drugs. So with that, you know, I was really the person who took care of her. I took care of my sisters and Were I you really the oldest? raised my, I'm the oldest okay. of the three girls. Okay. And, um, so I really raised my sisters. Um, and, you know, I, um, I had a lot of responsibility at a very young age. And so because she struggled, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of um, violence, a lot of abuse um, towards me. Um, and so, you know, over the years, I did experience a lot of trauma um, as a child. And um, it really shaped who I am today. I don't think I would be who I am today had I not gone through those experiences, but it's with, you know, the grace of God that I'm here, that I'm able to be here on this podcast, that I'm able to be here to share my story, to support others. Um, and, you know, with that, I think there was a big curiosity for me to want to be this huge helper of people. I wanted to, you know, I have this compassion and this, you know, ability of, the empathic abilities um, to really connect with people. Um, and so, of course, that led me um, into going, you know, into mental health 
And that's why I decided to do that is because, um, you know, I wanted to understand what was going on with my mom. I wanted to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, what was, what was it that, why couldn't she love me the way I thought I needed to be loved? Why couldn't she be my mom? And, you know, why did I go through all these things, you know, that really, um, caused me to really process the world differently. Right. So did you blame yes, your mom? Um, like if I you did. were, so right now you probably have a different perspective because you're an adult mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. So you have a different understanding, yeah. but back mm-hmm. then in the midst of it, did you blame your mom? I did. I, I thought she hated me. Um, the types of things she said to me was something that you would never say to a kid, um, you know, and it, it would make somebody's self-esteem be so low. You would want to just not be uh, be alive, you know, the type of stuff that she said to me. But I realized with, you know, over the years with my own, um, you know, healing journey and understanding, and then also with the study of, you know, mental health, that there were some things that were probably beyond her control at that time. There were some things that were beyond her capacity to process. Um, And it's interesting because she has, you know, really kind of in her own way, apologized to me more recently in the past couple of years um, about, you know, some of the things that happened, some of the things she still don't take responsibility for. And that's fine. You know, we talk about, you know, your healing journey is your responsibility. It's not going to be the responsibility of those who may have done things to you or, you know, wronged you in a certain way. But um, yeah, it really caused me to really evaluate life and to process things. Um, But when you talk about my journey as a person, um, I developed this, I guess, coping mechanism that was my coping mechanism is to want to have approval of other people. And so where did I get that? I got that in school. I got that, you know, being in junior ROTC, I got that in the military. So there were all these things to say, Hey, I'm going to give you this sticker. I'm going to give you this ribbon. I was every on every honor society, getting scholarships, getting job. Like I, I, that was my thing. And you, you mentioned this in our, and when you first started is that how our journeys kind of shifted, you know, with that introspect. And so I, I really like, you know, I'm, I know it's going to come up as the journey, but I really, you know, these past couple of years have had some um, light bulb moments to say, oh, girl, hmm. I feel so, it's so interesting. So I, you know, we've had these conversations, but didn't have these conversations. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting. We're very similar. So I was the oldest of three girls, number mm-hmm. one. Two, I also had some challenges with my mom and the way she communicates. So we have a pretty good relationship. Now, as an adult, mm-hmm. I interpret the way my mother spoke to me as her defense mechanism. That mm-hmm. was how she coped with things. Mm-hmm. And there were some traumatic experiences in my life um, that I went through and my mom's response would be calling me 
a name or calling me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or saying this wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of blame that I blamed on myself mm-hmm. in terms of why certain things happened to me or why I um why I had to go through certain things. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, I know and acknowledge they weren't necessarily my fault. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how I wish that back then I had, I mean, of course we all do, hindsight is 2020, that I would have the same mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. that I do now because I think our relationship could have been a lot better and perhaps we mm-hmm. didn't have to go through certain things. And it's not to say that my mom, she wasn't a good mom. She was, but her and my dad, you know, they were both working parents. They were under their own levels of stress. My dad was an alcoholic. Um mm-hmm. My dad actually really wasn't my biological dad. That's a whole nother <laughs> issue. But like there were a lot of challenges there. And mm-hmm. now I recognize that she did the best that she could. She didn't have her dad mm-hmm. die when she was like 14 or 15. And mm-hmm. so she didn't have her dad all growing up. But I really internalized the things that she said to me as, okay, I'm that person. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. when I was younger, I wanted to be Claire Huxtable. Like I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted mm-hmm. to have a bunch of kids. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I was the first one in the family to go to college. I wanted to mm-hmm. like get the career and chase these things mm-hmm. that now I'm tired of chasing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm good. I don't need them anymore. But it's amazing how we then seek the validation and approval of others. As mm-hmm. much as I want to say, yes, and I, I, I acknowledge that I'm confident. But I have a mm-hmm. whole hell of a lot of self-doubt at times. And I think mm-hmm. that it's so important that we acknowledge those things as we continue to grow yeah. and we don't ignore them because, again, they help to drive my determination in terms of how I became who I was. But I think mm-hmm. for, for you, um, one of the things that in terms of that shift, I remember the day we had the conversation of you said, I'm not ready to finish this book. Like we start off on mm-hmm. this journey. We were both writing individual books. And you right. said, I'm not ready to finish this book. I need to mm-hmm. switch to something different. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Yes, that was, and thank you for, you know, acknowledging that because, you know, it, healing is a lifelong journey. And you think, oh, I'm healed. Oh, I've seen the stars. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you have different points in your life and you experience things differently based on your your learning your experience and so who we are now is who we not who we were not 20 years ago um and so when I started writing the book um you know and I'm excited for when this book does come out because it is we gonna we're birthing these babies we're gonna have yes, we are. to um support others but um you know this book is, it's a self-help guide, but it's also a book that does give information and experiences about my history, about my childhood, about my traumas. And it kind of incorporates that self-help and those healing techniques and mechanisms that I used, um, you know, that I think would probably be beneficial to a lot of women because a lot of women do contact me and so I had wrote the outline and I remember the day when I finished it. I actually, I went to um, a Ritz Carlton 
Um, it was uh, the environment was the best environment I could possibly have. And I finished this thing and I was just like, oh my goodness, the, you know, it's done. Cause once you have your outline done, you, you're on your way, you know? And that day I actually, my emotions, it just, it was like, wow, all this stuff happened. It was like, almost like a list, you know, looking at this outline was like a list of all the traumas. And because, you know, I really put all of those things that happened to me in nice little, probably Tiffany boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, in the closet and they're, you know, they're packed away. So nice. That's the past, you know, that happened. You, You know, people tell you to move on. That happened so many years ago. Why are you still thinking about that? And I'll tell you, the more that you pile up, the more packages, the more baggages you pack, in that closet, that closet is going to open. It's going to start to crack open. That door is going to start creaking open. And as you have experiences throughout your life, especially if you get married, you know, because you have a mirror, yeah. you have somebody who's kind of mirroring back who you really are. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm perfect. What you mean? Like, I, I do this, you know, and I <laughs> know <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, um, And so, you know, these things kind of happen. And um, so once I had the the outline, I looked at it and I froze, literally. Emotionally, it was like I wasn't ready to open that. I opened those box, specific boxes. So many things had happened. Mm. And then I realized, I asked myself, like, who really are you? Because no one knows who you really are. Your husband doesn't know everything that's happened. Your mom doesn't even know everything. Your sister doesn't know who really you knows who you are. And then you're questioning yourself, like, who am I? Am I this imposter that, you know, um, our former first lady, Michelle Obama, talks about? Am am I an imposter who, you know... (laughs) I'm just going throughout life with this mask on. That's the way it felt. It was an eye-opening experience because there were some things that I had not dealt with that I was not ready to deal with. And, you know, we I went back to our coach and I talked to her about it. And I said, you know, right now, I'm just, it was so many things, so many traumas. And I was like, I'm just not, I, I don't think I can write this book right now. And that's when she, we looked at a pivot, at a shift, because it was like, okay, you don't have, because you have to be in alignment with whatever project or whatever you're doing in life. You have to be in alignment. You don't have, there's no um, checklist that says you have to do these this way. And just because you're friends or you're in a group or a mentorship program with other people that you have to do it exactly like this, that's not your story. And it's going to be more powerful when you actually start to embrace and to deal with those things and, you know, that you experience when you acknowledge that and you start to really process it and you start to really, really heal on on some of those things. And, um, you know, so that's when I started looking at doing something different, um, which I did. I launched the, um, you know, scent the candle scents and home decor company blissful home candy because what's more healing than aromatherapy right you know so I really (laughs) took my childhood experiences of you know I remember 
um, my mom used to have like this 500 pound purse. You know how your mom had this purse with everything in it. And she always had pennies at the bottom of, you know, her bag. And so I would get the pennies. And when I would go to the store for her, she, you know, write everything on a little piece of paper and pin it in my clothes with the, with the, um, things that she needed, I would get penny candy. Yes. <laughs> so that experience was so, you, you don't even think about it, but you're like, wow, all these bad things happen. But guess what? There were some good things that happened too. And I remember we all were, it was like the Willy Wonka movie, the Will, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because when everybody was in that store, we all there was all races, all nationalities, all creeds, and we were all treated the same. We were all treated just as equal. And that is something that I remember. And you go in there, you got 50 cents, you get 50 pieces of candy like I'm Girl, rich. That was that used to be the <laughs> highlight. So back in the day, so my grandmother, mm-hmm. one of my grand have had two grandmothers that were actively mm-hmm. in my life. And my dad's mom lived uptown in northwest off of randolph street mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there was a corner store that i s- promise you we went to two or three mm-hmm. times a day <laughs> <laughs> why and it was always like a thing like grandma can we go to the store and it was like you could buy the little chocolate snap cookies we would buy all the little now ladies mm-hmm. bigger babies mm. that was like the highlight of our week mm. it wasn't just, to me it wasn't just the experience of the sugar yeah, like that is the experience of yep. going to the store and feeling welcome and getting something mm-hmm. that you want. And mm-hmm. to me, it was almost like a control thing. So like I was young, I was underage, of course, but I, I had the authority to buy this candy mm-hmm. and you ain't had to worry about getting snatched at the time because mm-hmm. that's just, you know, the neighborhood looked out for the neighborhood. So we mm-hmm. spent that time going to the corner store and but that was like, mm-hmm. that's like a good childhood memory. So I completely yeah. can identify yeah. with that piece of it. So yeah. 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 I mean, and people don't realize, you know, how, you know, these, these interactions, you know, you could be the person that works at the corner store at a bodega and, you know, you they're part of your family. They know your family. They know who you are. Just that sense of community. And I just really appreciated that. So I really based um, the Blissful Home Candy brand based on, you know, my childhood candy experiences. So we have all, I mean, your senses of smell can take you back to any experience. You can go anywhere in your mind because it's really tricking your mind, right? Your body doesn't know that you're not at the candy store, but when you smell it, you go back there. And I've had people call me and say, especially for our Fruit Loops scent, um, it's called Fruity O's, but it smells just like Fruit Loops. And I've had people call and say, oh my goodness, this reminds me of being at my grandmother's house. You know, even my sister, she's like, <laughs> this reminds me of being my great grandmother's house and how her house smelled. And, you know, some people didn't have money and sometimes cereal was was the thing that was your treat. That was yeah. the thing that was your sweet. You didn't have all the stuff in the house. And you sometimes you didn't even have food, but to have a bowl of cereal. So, I mean, that was something I chose because I was like, okay, well, that still is in the healing realm, you know? Yeah. And so 
it just, it brings me joy just to smell the scents, to have other people smell the scents and to help people heal in that, in that realm um, is, is just so exciting to me. So yeah, that shift was there, but I did get to publish, you know, in 2020. So I'm very excited, you know, and sometimes we think we need to do things this way, right? So you take a class and you're like, okay, boom, you got to write your outline, boom, you know, you got to write the book, boom, you got to get your editor, you got to get all these things. But guess what? There was an opportunity that was presented to me and it was an anthology book um, with Dr. Cheryl Wood and it's called um, Courageous Enough to Launch. And it was about 47 authors who, you know, women, powerful women who went through their own journeys, but overcame their obstacles in order to launch their businesses. And I'm like, oh, this is another (laughs) thing. It doesn't have to go the way you think it needs to go when it's in alignment. This thing helped me to write my start, my story. And when I wrote that and I hear people read it. And they come back to me. Some people have said, wow, I was crying. I didn't know this about you, you know? And so now you're feeling comfortable because it's like, oh, I'm not perfect. Right. You know, you may think I'm perfect because you see this and you see that. And social media make you think everybody's perfect. But then why, why do we have suicides? Why are suicides climbing rates if that's the case? So if I could prevent one life from you know, taking, taking one person from taking their lives or somebody to acknowledge that they, you know, could use some assistance or to even delve into, you know, some things that they need to um, deal with, you know, especially as African-American women, I think we're taught to, we have to be perfect, right? Right. It's almost like we take on strong, that word strong, And what does it really mean? I mean, it almost feels like, well, you know, you're African-American, so you got to take that job. You know, you have to go above and beyond and do 10 times the amount of work as other people in your mind, right? Because that is what we're taught is that we are, it feels like we have the whole rates of African-Americans on our shoulders. And I think, you know, that becomes very, very overwhelming. And so you're dealing with your own stuff of, I have to be perfect. You know, and then I realized with all of this, you know, it was like, okay, well, I have the house now. I have, you know, my dream house. I have my husband. I have my dream car. I have, and, and there was this sense of emptiness and I, and I had gotten promoted to a very high level. And it was like, well, why do I feel so empty inside? What else do I, okay, okay. I need the Bentley next. I, I, I need the yacht. I need the man. What is it going to take for For you to feel whole whole and and to embrace happiness and peace? That's the real wealth. And that's the real wealth. Mm -hmm. I think for for my listeners, this is important for you to, I need to give you all a visual. So I've been to Malaysia's home. I'm not (laughs) exaggerating. Her home looks like a model home. It's in this (laughs) wonderful gated community in a very nice part of town that will remain nameless. It is (laughs) immaculately decorated every single room, every single bathroom. When you walk in, it smells like you're at a candle store. There's all these scents. (laughs) They're 
there are Tiffany boxes all over, literally all over her office. Like it is just (laughs) very nicely put together. So it's so interesting then to hear you say that all of that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. the marriage, um, the putting all these things on your list and accomplishing these things, it's like you weren't dealing with that trauma on the inside. Mm -hmm. So when you were growing Mm -hmm. up, like, guess through your professional journey, did you feel that? though at the time or was it sort of this outline that kind of was that shift where you said okay now it's time for me to heal like were there moments in your life where where you felt broken or you just felt like oh I'm good um for the most part um I think I felt good because it was like I didn't have money so you know when I could start working as I think my first job was at nine years old I had a paper route And then at 14 and a half, I had my next summer job working at the Boys and Girls Club and I worked at the front desk. So I dressed all professionally. I was at the front desk. And then, you know, um, at 14 and a half, I actually, um, no, that was 12. So 14 and a half, I got my first job at McDonald's. And so I was always working. So if I felt like I had things, if I had Mm -hmm. money, I could control my world because you couldn't tell me nothing. I got money. I'll buy me whatever I wanted. And, you know, so I think I didn't acknowledge it for a very long time. I think when it really started to come to a head was um, in 2008 when my brother was murdered and, you know, I was active duty. I was living in Hawaii And I remember my father had asked me one time, could my brother come to North Dakota when I was stationed in North Dakota? And I was like, you know, dad, I just don't think this would be the environment for him, you know, because North Dakota was nothing like you would literally lose your mind there. Um, And then they also have the seasonal affective disorder because it's always dark, you know what I mean? Like most of the year. How many years apart were you guys? Um, Let's see. Shadid was, so we were about, uh, I'm trying to think of how old I was then. I don't know, but maybe about 10 years or okay. so, okay. 10 years. And, um, and, and, you know, it hurt me because I felt a lot of guilt. I felt like, you know, I was the poster who was supposed to save everybody. I was the martyr for our family. So it was like, why didn't you do things to help him? Or, you know, I just had this sense of guilt. Um, and, and that's when my life really started to shift as well, is because I realized, um, you know, family is so important and life is so important. So, I mean, my shift started really a while ago, but still, you're still in this mode of, and, you know, you have people who gravitate towards you you have mentors who seek you out all over the world seriously and they're like you know I think you can be this I think you can do that and they encourage you and they sow into you and they help you with projects or get you put on to different things and so you're always like okay I'm taking the next thing okay 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 I'm gonna do all these things I'm gonna do all these things and again you could work at the top levels of whatever corporation of the government and still you know at the end of the night when all the lights go down it's still you you're looking at yourself why am i i'm around so-and-so i'm around all these high level officials how come i still feel 
So, yeah, I think, you know, even now, I think it was with the book when with the actual writing. And so that, you know, we talk about writing and how journaling is so healing, but writing it when once you start writing your experiences, no matter if you decide to publish it or not, you don't have to. But you really just get to process, you get to take the stuff out of your head, the stuff out of your emotions, out of your spirit and just put it on paper. And you're like, just who am I? you know, and just write it down and you're going to really reflect and find some new things out about yourself that you probably didn't either. Maybe you knew and didn't realize and didn't want to accept it or things that you didn't know. And we grow. So we become, we morph into different people. We're not the same people all the time. And so I just think that this journey for me has been, and of course, meeting you, um, meeting Donita, I mean, you, you are all my sisters and especially with 2020 and all the craziness that happened, you know, find your, once you start to heal and you start to be open to embracing it, even if it doesn't feel comfortable, there are going to be, you're going to have angels that are going to surround you. You don't even realize it. There are people on this earth, in this world, in this universe, in this entity that will surround you with love once you start, once you're obedient. But if you try to hide it and wear that mask all the time, listen, that mask going to start fading. It's going to start melting off your face. (laughs) It is. So it's so funny that we're having this conversation. So the episode that I literally just recorded was about perceptions Mm. and Mm. how people perceive you. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you can't control how, like to me, you know, a perception is then how somebody views or thinks about you. But Mm -hmm. to me, there are so many things that go into that complicated realm. So Mm -hmm. perception, that person's perception becomes their reality because that's how they perceive you. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to perceive you based on how you present yourself, Mm -hmm. but also like how I was raised. How, Mm -hmm. like, what are my cultural backgrounds? Like, do I have issues with women? So if I don't like Mm -hmm. women and I look at you and you looking all pretty, hair all done, Mm -hmm. you know, looking nice, you have this beautiful house. I might hate just because you're a woman and you got Mm -hmm. something that I want and I don't have it. So Mm -hmm. we can't control how other people perceive us. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can control how we show up for other people. And we don't have to stay in one place. Like mm-hmm. people say, oh, you changed. Yeah, I did change. So mm-hmm. what? Like anything that is not growing is dead. My pastor, Pastor Mike, always used to say that. Mm-hmm. And it is so true. Like if you're not growing and evolving, you're dead. And I don't knock people who don't necessarily want to grow to where I am. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that everybody needs to be on my journey because we're all mm-hmm. different and unique. Absolutely. But I think that we as individuals have to sort of own a portion of how people perceive us, because how do we show up? If you're Mm -hmm. always showing them this perfect person, then they're going to think that you're perfect. So you can't get mad at this individual when you try to present a challenge or a problem to them and they don't understand it because they think, oh, was she perfect? Mm -hmm. Necessarily, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very complicated thing. But I think it's so important that we understand that it can change over time and it should change Mm -hmm. over time, depending on the situation Mm -hmm. and that we can use it 
to improve our relationships, to improve our yes. improve our lives, to improve our communication. Um, mm-hmm. I think you having that wake up call, mm-hmm. it it potentially could have saved your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in your mind, you had achieved these things, but at the end of the yeah. day, you probably weren't gonna go but so far because you hadn't mm-hmm. dealt with some other stuff that was mm-hmm. years prior to that. We got to get knocked down sometimes in order for us to kind of rise to who we are or rise to our true self or rise to our kind of, you know, real being. I think Mm -hmm. that what is important that you did is you didn't allow it to stop you completely. Right. So you may have shifted, but girl, you shifted with a whole daggone business. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) you literally launched an entire collection <laughs> with warming tarts and candles and boxes and this and that. Mm-hmm. And, and that is amazing that you were able to take that energy and put it into something that, I mean, at the end of the day, girl, the book is the book. Like that's, yeah. that is something that is, you know, that we can leave behind. But mm-hmm. people ask me all the time, what's going on with your book? It just wasn't, I didn't feel it as much anymore. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. I had other things that I have actively chosen to work on instead Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. okay. And Mm -hmm. again, it goes back to, we're not perfect. (laughs) We're we're not perfect. And um, when you talk, I mean, you said a couple of things there that really, you know, resonated with me and you talked about, um, So I want to talk about one thing and then I want to get back to that getting knocked down because we'll talk about how this year or um, rather 2020 was was a situation that really knocked me down. Right. Because I was on the go. I was this person. You couldn't tell me nothing. I'm doing it. I'm doing whatever I want to do. And I want to you know, I wanted it wasn't in a in an egotistical way, but it was more of I wanted to help people and the way I thought people needed to be helped. But um, I, I attended a um, writing seminar with Hay House Publishing, and they talked about um, the book before the book. So just for you authors out there, who people who are thinking about writing books, they said sometimes that book that you want to write, sometimes you write the book before the book. Mm-hmm. And so that resonated with me because I had, you know, wrote the book with, um, the project that I talked about that courage um, and courageous enough to launch. And it helped me to get started. It helped me to walk out and say, okay, this is my beginning. And it's actually a prequel to my book. You know what I mean? So it all comes together, but don't think it has to be the way you think it has to be. It could be an ebook. It could be a journal. We're writing ebooks. We're writing journals, you know, um, checklists, of things. So it's so many things, just, just start writing. Um, but the other thing you talked about was sometimes you have to get knocked down. And I was this person who was so dedicated and loyal just to everything and everybody that I never really, you know, I mean, I went, you know, spas are my thing. I do the self-care thing, you know, the, the check the box self-care thing. I'm going you know, to get massages or spas all over the world when I do travel or whatever. But 
self-care is not just going to the spa. There's some, it it really has to be intricate in your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when you wake up and you meditate or you take some time to pray or you have tea for yourself, or you even eat a, a hearty breakfast that is nutritional for yourself, whatever you are doing for yourself or taking a walk, you know, after work or during lunchtime or whenever it is, or in the morning getting up, you know, whatever that is, it really has to be an integral thing. It can't be, it's a balance, right? So it's not, right. oh, I'm going to get so stressed out. And so I need a trip. And when I'm on my trip, I'm so dead that I can't even interact with people. That's what, that's what I thought it was. You know what I mean? Like, even though I'm teaching these practices, um, but meditation has become very, you know, intricate in my practice. So there are some things that over the years I started to really put into my practice but getting knocked down. So 2020 was a very interesting year because, you know, I remember, you know, I was, I'm, I was fit. I was doing all these races. I did a marathon. I did a million half marathons. I've raced all over the continent, really not the whole world, but a lot of different uh, other countries, other peninsulas, you know, um, wow. continents in the United States. So, um, so for me, when I had pain, and especially again, let's talk about this thing for health and wellness for African-American women, we, a lot of us have a high tolerance for pain. And that's just, you know, the way it is, you know, we've had people know it, they, we, our ancestors, they've had medical care and they didn't have a lot of anesthesia and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, stuff was done. So um, I remember, you know, the, um, for 2020, I was going through some stuff. I had work, I was working out, you know, and especially when COVID hit, you wanted to stay sane mentally and emotionally. So you, you know, you got to work out, you know, we're doing three mile walks and stuff and Peloton by just, just moving, you know, got to get out there, get that energy out. And, you know, I had experienced extreme pain in my, in my, um, in my left hip. And I didn't know what that was. But long story short, now I'm a person, if I go to the doctors, that means something really, something is really <laughs> wrong. Like I'm not going for no little headache, you know, or you broke, you broke your, your nail or something. I'm, I'm, that's not me. And so, you know, when, when I experienced this pain, it was so, I mean, to the point where I couldn't walk, I'm crawling on the floor crying. Like that, that's how bad it got. And so, you know, I could take a high level right. of pain. And, you know, I end up in the hospital um, for about a month and a half. I had to go to, within that time, going to rehab, um, having to be, get home rehab when I came home. And it was like, this is who? But I Mm. asked myself when I reflected, how much of this did you really, not, not to say you caused it, but just you know, the dedication that you had to everybody else and you overlook those little pains here or there, you know, after you do a walk or a run and then it ends up to a point where it could be potentially life-threatening. So, you know, I just encourage people to, you know, just really hone into your mind, body, and spirit, Um, you know, get stuff looked at. I know, you know, sometimes when we go to the doctors, people look at you like, why you're here. I do know it. I know it. And I work in the, in the health field. So I I understand, but guess what? Who, who was there, you know, wiping you or washing you down 
when you when you need to, when you need when you can't wash yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be your job. It's it, about- it's not it's not gonna be you know people that who you think you need to network with in the community or you know trying to get this place or that place. It's not going to be them. All you have is you and you know for the blessing from God. I had God. I had my church family. And I had my husband, you know, who, but who was really there? You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, you have to come first. And like, even when they talk about um, finances, they tell you to pay yourself first, right? Even before you tithe, they say, pay yourself first. So that's what you take that analogy and pay yourself first in your life. I think that that is so important. The one of the things that is that I say all the time, especially to my husband, who to me has this huge, amazing giving heart, but his boundaries are like crazy. I'm like, people couldn't be in my way up, they up in yours. Like I, I, I have, my boundaries are a little <laughs> thicker than that. And it comes from a really good space, but I tell him all mm-hmm. the time that when you're on the airplane and they go through their little spiel at the beginning, they say mm-hmm. you have to put, what's that thing? That mask on? You got to put mm-hmm. your mask on. Even if you're with an elderly person, a child, put your mask mm-hmm. on first before you help out the next person. Mm-hmm. That that actually was one of the questions I had for you. And you just, to me, I think answered it. But <laughs> one of the, the next thing I was going to say was like, what investments have you made in yourself along the way? And mm-hmm. it sounds like self-care is an important mm-hmm. Self-care, um, and having, giving yourself the grace to be you and to say no to things that you really don't want to do. You know, some of us are people who, again, we show up. We want to show up for everybody. We want to be there for every event and every, oh, this person's graduation, this person's wedding. Oh, I'm flying all the way over here. And I know I really don't have the money for it. You know, you're giving your last, you're giving your all but you, you never really filled your cup back up. And really, um, I, I remember, you know, our pastor, Pastor John K. Jenkins, he was saying one time, in order to give to others, your cup really has to be overflowing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're given the overflow of what, you know, but you can't pour from an empty cup, you know? No, so you, you have to be spiritually full. You have to be, you know, financially full, you have to be um, physically full, mentally full, everything, every area of your life. So if one's lacking, you need to be concentrating on that. Yes, you you want to give a life of service, you want to give, but there's different ways of doing it, right? You don't have to be volunteering at every single event in your community or when your child has something at school, you have to do all of them. Can you pick, okay, well, quarterly, I'll do one event here and really schedule it in there. But that's where we get, we're so giving and I've been so giving and I feel like it ultimately was a detriment, but I think all things go in their time because as I'm getting more into the healing profession, because, you know, of course I've been in the mental health realm, but I want to get into, you know, more intrinsic holistic healing because we have the ability god gave us the ability to perform anything we need everything we need Mm. is already in us so you know if you're going to rely on a 
professional, you know, whether it's your church, someone in your church or clergy, um, someone in your, um, in, in your, your, um, you know, in your medical team, if you are expecting for them to heal you, you missed the boat. Right. I would agree with that. You have the ability. Yes. You have the ability to use all of the resources. And again, I think a lot of it comes with clarity. So, you know, with the Blissful um, Life Consulting, I really coach women um, to get clarity so that they can really heal um, and, and, you know, have lived the life of their dreams. But without that clarity, without that silence, without that peace, you're just in a rat race. You're, you're doing this one day, you're doing that one day, you're all over the place, you're not really focused. And, you know, it's real, that's another coping mechanism that I think people use to really just not deal with themselves. So I have given myself the gift of presence, being mm-hmm. present for myself, um, you know, having the ability to do some of the things that I want to do, as opposed to doing things just because I want to support others or serve other people. I want to do some things for me you know, that put me in a creative space. And, um, you know, at Blissful Home Candy, the model is love your inner child. So kind of just loving that inner child, that child that may not have received all of the love that you think, or emotional support, or compassion, you know, from the people that are so close to us that we thought we should have gotten them from, why can't you love that person? Why can't you love that inner child and let that inner child know that he or she is beautiful, that they're fantastic, that they're intelligent, that they're magical, that they have the ability to do whatever they want to do. Why do we have to say, oh, that, that child was left over there. So my inner emotions is left on that side, my conscious. And now I'm just living in this false sense of reality. Why do we do that? Girl. That is good right there. (laughs) So I was going to say is, and it sounds like this actually ties into that is to me, because this, I'm all about empowering women and getting them to own themselves and whoever they are and who they choose to show Mm -hmm. up as. I think if you had known 10 years ago, 20 years Mm -hmm. ago, however many years ago, you know, (laughs) that you could have done this one thing or, you know, like what is to you the key to sort of really finding your voice and owning it and what is it that you can tell our listeners in addition to all the wonderful nuggets that you've already shared is there anything else that you think that they really need to focus on in terms of really owning their true voice Mm, this is a good question it's very complex too but it's so good the bottom line is loving yourself Because how can you love, if I would have told myself back then, you know, as, as a child, that just because you think that someone doesn't love you, that doesn't mean they don't love you. That is their way of loving you because that's their capacity. That's what they learned. Mm -hmm. They have had traumas just as severe as yours, maybe, you know, and you didn't know that you didn't grow up with them. They're your parents, they're your grandparents, they're your aunts, your uncles, you know, cousins, whoever. And, um, The biggest thing is loving yourself because you cannot truly love other people wholeheartedly. You think you are, but if you don't love yourself, then there's really not a lot that you can 
really give holistically to other people. And the reason why I say that is because you'll see some people who are helpers who do all this stuff and they make an impact on lives and then they revert back. Mm. Not to say that none of us could revert back because we can, but holistically moving forward with your life and actually healing and working on your healing. It's a lifelong process. You know, when you're doing it because you just think that this is what other people need and you think you're healing yourself, but you're really not, you're just doing something to mask it, you know, and not really loving yourself, loving who you are because someone made you feel a certain way, or they did something to you, or they told you that you weren't enough. They told you you were stupid. They told you you were ugly. They're just whatever it was, you know, you have to love you. And so I just think loving your inner child, loving that person, loving who you were before society came in or people or whoever, family, friends, colleagues, and told you this is how your life should be, or this is why you're not going to do this is because of this, or your family never did anything in this realm, so you're not going to do it either. So once you start to just love who you are and accept who you really are, not hide it in the closet in those pretty little boxes, mm-hmm. once you start to do that, the world is just going to open. The universe is going to open its doors. There's going to be so many things that just come to you, but you'll see that the things that come to you are the things that you need at that time. It's not just you just doing stuff to do stuff. I so love that, it. that would be what I would say. So I know we have been on here for a while. I have two like very random questions and I just okay. think it'll be interesting to ask. So tell our listeners one like random surprising fact about yourself that nobody would know. Or, you know, mm. that t- a typical person wouldn't know. They'd be surprised to find out. I don't know. Oh, man. Any um, strange habits or. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, when I when I was living in Korea and I had to move away from my family and I was trying to, you know, really um, connect with my nephews. I was really into WWE. <laughs> really? And when I was in Korea, I lived off. I lived off base, so I didn't have cable. And the only thing that was in English was WWE. <laughs> and so I literally watched it like a soap opera. And I lo- I was into the characters and I wanted to know what was going on. And I remember watching an episode and I think it was Ed, Mc- Ed McMahon. He, he blew up in a, he got in a limo and a limo blew up. And I thought it was real. I was going on the news, trying to get on the Uh, internet. I'm in Korea. I'm like, oh my God. And y'all would not even know. And then of course, you know, in that realm, like, you know, I've, I've been into fitness a long time. I've always wanted to do about one. Everyone says it's one bodybuilding show. I love lifting weights and stuff. And when I can get back into that, you know, I definitely want to, um, I just love, I love the fitness community because I love the author community too, but the fitness community, when you look at it, you know, just like music, there are things that everybody can relate on. So when you go to a bodybuilding competition, like a national one, or like the, um, Mr. Olympia, the Olympia that just happened, 
you have people literally from all different countries coming. And I just love activities that bring people together. We all have to be healthy. We all have to, you know, listen to music. What are, what are those things in life that can cause us to meet other people and travel the world and have something in common? And I just think fitness is one of those. The same when I did all those races, when I did the um, Disney half marathon, the princess half marathon, people from every walk of life, from the babies and the carriages to the parents to the grant, the whole family, all different national, all different walks of life. I really like things that bring people together. So those would be that. I think those are just something different. <laughs> I love that. And I asked that question because I feel like we as individuals, we're very, we're like a an onion, like, you know how with mm -hmm. an onion, you can like peel away all these layers. Mm -hmm. And the more that we take time to not just focus on ourselves, but also understand like the complexities of the layers of the onions of the other people mm -hmm. we interact with, it makes mm -hmm. us have a different perspective of them, a different perception yeah. again, yeah. but then also just have a different understanding of sort of who they are and kind of, you know, what they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then my last very random question is like, because again, <laughs> I'm all about self-reflection and I've been in this mm -hmm. whole journey of self-reflection the entire year. So, and mm -hmm. I love would you rather questions. So my mm -hmm. final question to close this out today is, would you rather, if you had to, if you like had to be kind of isolated from things and you couldn't live in your nice, lovely, luxurious home anymore and you had to choose mm -hmm. between living on a sailboat or living in an RV for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Um, I would choose the sailboat. You love the water? Well, wait, I aren't love... you scared of water? I can't swim, but let me, <laughs> let me, let me, let's go. Let, look, look, here's another thing for you. I'm a person that does crazy stuff to try to overcome my fears. Cause I, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you're not going to scare me. So I, I'll climb that mountain knowing I'm definitely afraid of heights. I'll get up there. I've climbed um, the Great Wall of China. And at a certain point, my legs start to give out and I start sweating. People think you're out of shape, though. They don't think you're scared. They're, everybody will say, oh, you okay? They think you're out of shape. Um, but so same for water. I do water sport, water, uh, kayaking on a Potomac. Um, I've been kayaking in Hawaii when I lived in Hawaii. Um, I, I went... Um, what is it? Um, snorkeling, you know, in the middle of the ocean where cause I, mm -hmm. they had adult, adult um, size um, floaty. So it so goes around your stomach, your torso, and you're literally, you get off the boat and you're, and I do that stuff. I do that crazy kind of stuff, but I love, I always, I visualize, I'm a big, big visualize, visualization person. I believe in the law of attraction and I do a lot of it. And I can imagine myself on my own boat, my own yacht. I used to um, get into some of the yacht races in Hawaii. So some people let you get on their yacht and then you got to run to East side when they're turning around and racing and all that kind of stuff. I love the water. It's so calm and serene. We're made up of what? 90 something percent water. Yep. And so, you know, there's a big connection there. There's so many studies that talk about that. That's why everything you ingest, whether you're listening, because you look at what water does when it hear, when you hear crazy rock music or rap music or versus, you know, some calm kind of spa music, you know, so it's the same thing. And I think we're just so connected. We come 
out of our mom's womb. We're in water. We're immersed. And that's a place that just makes me feel like I'm comforted. I'm at home. And so I just love it. And I always imagine having a yacht and playing the song by the Isley Brothers, um, the um, Voyage to Atlantis. Oh, wow. And so I want to name my yacht um, Atlantis Voyager after that song. And I want to play that song. So I literally, I visualize that and I, I just, I can already feel the experience. So when you said boat, I'm like, oh. Uh, we about to play these eyes with Girl. brothers and be on this boat. Yes, I, I, I could live on a. I could live on a. I love. I, I love the water, so I could mm-hmm. definitely identify. Well, thank you again, Malaysia, for being here. Oh, so again, as I know you gave your information at the beginning, but one more time, mm-hmm. please, for our listeners, okay, my loyal tribe, can you please yes. share? your information if they want to know more about Blissful Home Candy or Malaysia Harrell. Absolutely. And so you can follow me on Instagram at Malaysia, um, spelled just like the country, underscore H, underscore Harrell. Um, And you'll be seeing my websites, the um, MalaysiaHarrell.com website will be published shortly. Um, and then also um, at Blissful Home Candy is spelled just like that. And, um, you know, you'll have the opportunity. We're launching our luxury line of products. And so, you know, if you just love luxury experiences, especially with COVID and everything that's going on, and you just want the experience of going to a Tiffany store or going to you know, the Tom Ford, you know, or wherever your candy store, wherever is that space that makes you feel good, whether it's your local target, um, this will be a little bit more luxurious. You'll have that, you know, experience right from home. You can order gift sets. You can order gift boxes for yourself. We have some other products that will be coming out that will complement those. Um, Please follow me. And then the blissful www.blissfulhomecandy will be out soon as well. Um, But from the website, you can purchase products directly from the link in the bio. Or if you go on Etsy and just put in Blissful Home Candy, you can put it all in as one word because it's easier to find that way on Etsy. Um, We'll be happy to serve you. Um, But also, you know, we'll be, you know, another book will be coming out um, next year. And then opportunities for um, engagements with, you know, communing with other women and empowerment those things will be coming out and you'll be seeing something exciting, a collaboration with me and Anya Day um, coming out for March that, oh man, you just have to be tuned into that because that's going to be a really good one. And it'll really complement our talk from today. So um, Anya Day, I just thank you for embracing me. Thank you for loving me. Um, Thank you for being such a great friend and an empower of me as a friend as well. Um, you know, just thank you for everything that you do. And your voice is so instrumental. Your voice is so powerful. And I love your platform with Find Your Own Voice because um, that's what we need to do. And so, you know, the other side, when you asked me about what would you tell yourself, um, loving yourself, I think is first, but that would be next is just finding your voice, not the voice that other people have been putting in your head and telling you all of these years So thank you for what you're doing. I'm so inspired by you. I cannot wait to see the magnificent things that God is going to do in your life that he's doing now. 
and just keep going. I'm going to be right there. <laughs> Thank you. You're making me blush. <laughs> Thank you, Malaysia. You're welcome. All righty, everybody. Until next time, grace and peace. Thank you for joining the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review because I welcome and value your feedback. You can also tag me in your stories at It's On Your Day so I can personally connect with you and know who is in my tribe. I am looking forward to continuing to work with you to write your own story. Until next time, grace and peace.